Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. Anybody excited to be here? It is Super Bowl Sunday. Not just for the teams that are going to be on the field, but for Jesus. Come on now. There's one team I root for that wins every time. (laughs) So good to see you. If you're are here for the very first time, we want to say welcome to Embassy City. We're so glad that you're here. If you're watching us online, thank you so much for tuning in and the overflow. Thank you for being here. I believe that God's going to do something special in this place today. And somebody say amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to go right into the Word of God, Luke chapter 5. We're going back to Luke chapter 5. I just feel like the Lord wants to do something special in this place. Um, anybody need a miracle in here? Yeah. Don't you see your hand if you need a miracle. You need a miracle. That's what we're going to talk about today. This is the second week of Into the Deep. Uh, last week we talked about launch and we talked about the importance of going deep with Jesus. Today I feel like, uh, like that somebody needs a real deep touch from the Lord. So let's go to Luke chapter 5, verse number 4. It says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a, somebody say a large number, a large number of fish. You'll find in uh, John, in the latter part of John, a a story similar to this, and and it gives the account of how many fish they caught. It says they caught 153. Whenever the Bible doesn't give you a specific number, it just says a large number of fish It's trying to indicate to you that it is a miraculous situation. A large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Wow. (laughs) When God begins to pour out blessings... It'll be more than you can handle so that you have to give it away. But then the people that you give it away to can't handle it either. That's a miracle. When it exceeds your expectation, when it's beyond your wildest dreams, that's a miracle. So for the next little while, I want to preach on a very simple subject. I want to title this Deep Miracles. Deep Miracles. Miracles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being here in this room with us. I pray that in the next few moments, as we dig into your word, that you would give us revelation. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to understand what your spirit would say to us. Help us to walk out of here different than the way we walked in. We give your name all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Deep miracles. 
I think it's definitely important that as we begin this lesson, let's define what a miracle is. All right? A miracle in the original Greek is the word dynamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from or power. And a miracle is an event that defies common expectation of behavior and subsequently is attributed to a superhuman agent, <laughs> an occurrence that demonstrates God's involvement in the course of human affairs. Another way to describe a miracle is that a miracle is an event which may seem contrary to nature and which signifies an act in which God reveals himself to man. I think it's interesting that it seems like in today's church culture, we don't talk a lot about miracles. And I think, especially in the Western world, we don't talk about miracles a lot. And there are several reasons for that. One is, there are a lot of weirdos <laughs> that are associated with miracles. We've all seen it, right? On YouTube, on TV. The antics, the theatrics that go along with miracles. We've all got those, you know, messages. Send 1995 for 36 months. <laughs> Believe God and you're going to get a miracle. We've seen the dramatic sense of a preacher being up there shaking, and then all of a sudden, pow, a miracle. That's on one end of the extreme. On the other end of the extreme, you have cessationalists that don't believe in miracles at all. They believe that miracles died with the apostles. But this is what I would say to us. You cannot believe in God and not believe in miracles. Because God is the one who defines a miracle. Let me prove it to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is beyond reason, it is beyond human understanding how God could step out upon nothing and create everything that we see. That is a miracle. It is beyond understanding how God made a flood come out of nowhere. That is a miracle. It is a miracle that God made the sun stand still in order for his children to win a battle. That is a miracle. All throughout the Bibles, you are going to find, especially in the Old Testament, they're called signs and wonders. And in the New Testament, they're called miracles. All throughout the Bible, you will find that God is working miracles. Now, another thing that I think opposes the whole idea of miracles is what is known as epistemology. And that's a fancy word, but it's just a branch of philosophy that's concerned with the study of knowledge. Epistemology is a two word, there are two words, episteme, which means knowledge, and ology, or logos, which means reason. So epistemology is the study of knowledge. And epistemology is concerned with three things. One is, what is knowledge? Number two, how do we know something? And number three, how does this knowledge interact with natural law or nature? Here's the problem. When we begin to try to seek knowledge and understanding, it starts to elevate ourselves above what God is able to do. And so it's been the plight of mankind to seek knowledge since the very beginning of time. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden. God places a tree in the middle of the garden and says, of this tree do not eat. It is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
What, what do Adam and Eve do? They partake of the tree. Why? To grow in knowledge, to try to be like God. And since then, mankind has been on a constant quest to gain knowledge. Even right now, we are living in what is known as the information age, right? It started in the 1970s and, and is still continuing today. And the information age is our ability to gain information. Used to, you would have to go, if you, if you heard a word that you didn't understand, you have to literally go get a dictionary and flip through and try to find the word. Now you can just say, hey, Siri. What's this word mean? <laughs> Remember having corded phones? <laughs> you had that special someone call you? <laughs> you got one of the real long 150-foot cords? <laughs> You're trying to sneak into your room and go to your closet? Remember when the first, like, when cell phones first started coming out and all you could really get was like a Nokia <laughs> with snake on it? Yeah. yeah. But, but, but you had to go to Walmart and buy the track phone cars to put some more minutes on it. Anybody remember that? Or you had to go get Mapsco Maps. Oh, Lord. And you had a book for every city. <laughs> now we have easy access. We can Google whatever we want to. We can Siri whatever we want to. We can Alexa whatever we want to. We have access to knowledge, right? But there are pros and cons to knowledge. One of the pros to, to knowledge is that it's easily accessible. Things that you couldn't uh, find out before, now you can find out pretty instantly. You, you can educate yourself. You can, you can have access to things that were only reserved for certain people, but there are also cons to knowledge. Because now you can access knowledge that you're not mature enough to understand. You can get information to things that are false. Just because it's on Google doesn't mean it's true. And now you can access knowledge that solidifies what you have predetermined to believe is the truth. Another con of, of access to knowledge is that it has made us skeptical, skeptical of miracles. Why? Because we cannot explain miracles. We can't Google miracles. We can't try to uh, uh, use our knowledge place to explain away miracles, and so because we cannot explain miracles, most likely miracles do not exist. But how many know <laughs> that a miracle is when humanity and divinity intersect? It's when you've done all you know that you can do, and God has to take over. A miracle is when you have done everything that you know is possible, and you need God to take over. This is exactly why people who don't even believe in God can be on their deathbed and call a preacher to pray for them. <laughs> because they know I've done everything that I know to do and I need God to intersect according to a scientific explanation. Miracles do not exist. Why? Because we can't explain it. But how many know that when God intersects nature and he disrupts what we know is natural law and he does what he does, that's called a supernatural miracle. Supernatural means above nature. means to supersede nature. When God intersects your life, it is a living, breathing miracle. And so you can deny a miracle by your own understanding, but what you can't do is try to convince somebody that has experienced a miracle that what they experienced wasn't real. 
<laughs> when you rode your car and it was crushed to pieces, but you walked out of there without a scratch, that is a supernatural miracle. When they said that you couldn't graduate because you had a learning disability, but now you're a doctor, that's a supernatural miracle. When they said you couldn't get pregnant, but you just watched your child walk across the stage graduating, that is a supernatural miracle. When they told you that you would only live for four months, but that was 20 years ago, that's a supernatural miracle. Is there anybody in the house that can testify that you're a living, breathing, walking, talking miracle? Woo. I want to preach about miracles. I want to remove some of the mysticism that is surrounded around miracles. I want to remove some of the, the naysaying around miracles. Because can I tell you this? That when you come into relationship with Jesus, you no longer are bound by nature. Because science will tell you that you have to go according to the laws of nature, such as gravity. What goes up must come down or, or, or cause and effect. For every action, there is a reaction, except for when God gets in the middle. So I want to go back to Luke chapter 5. Because I want to unpack this story. Because Luke chapter 5, we talked about last week how God, Jesus invited Peter to go out into the deep. And this is what he tells Peter. Peter, I want you to go out into the deep for a catch. Now, at this point, we have historical context. We can look at the full story. We understand what happened with Peter. But at the moment, at the time, when Jesus looks at Peter and he says, I want you to go out for a catch, Peter has a decision to make. Because Peter had just been out there, he had just fished, and he was about to go home hungry without anything in his hands. And yet when Jesus shows up, Jesus says, I'm about to let you experience something that you, didn't even, that you weren't even prepared for today. You went out there believing that you were going to get a catch, but because you relied on yourself and the weather and everything that you knew, that it didn't happen, but now I'm about to show out and show off in your life, but I got to do something first. So I want to talk about how to catch a miracle. How to catch a miracle. Number one is you have to do what God said. <laughs> Some of us, we want miracles, but we won't want to do what God told us to do. <laughs> so Peter, he has a decision to make in that moment. Do I go out there and look ignorant because I am a fisherman listening to the advice of a carpenter who's telling me to go out there for a catch. Number one, it's in the middle of the day. Everybody knows that in the middle of the day, you don't catch big fish because everybody, all the fish are at the bottom. And yet, Peter's need had to supersede his, his, his want to look cool. Because every miracle requires a misery. Can I preach? Every miracle requires there to be something that needs to be solved. It means that when you're stuck at the Red Sea and you're about to die, that is a misery. You need a miracle. 
When you can't see and you need your eyes to be opened, that is a misery. You need a miracle. But, but before you can get a miracle, you have to do what God has asked you to do. And, and, and when God asks you to do something, it's never convenient. <laughs> so Peter is standing there. He's washing his nets. And, and Jesus comes up to him. And Jesus says, do you want a miracle? Do you want a catch? And Peter says, yes, because I'm about to go home. And my wife's going to ask me, where are the fish? And I have to give an answer about what I don't have. So I've done everything that I know to do. Now I need you to do something that I can't do. If you want a miracle in your life, you have to do what God has asked you to do. And you have to be willing to do things that you don't ordinarily do. For instance, I used to think that God would never ask you to do something that you can't do. Until I read all throughout the New Testament of Jesus telling a blind man to open up his eyes. <laughs> or telling a man who was lame to pick up his bed and walk or telling somebody who is dead to rise up and be alive. Can I tell you that if you want to see a miracle unleashed in your life, you have to do what God is asking you to do. If you don't do what God's asking you to do, you cannot see a miracle. Somebody asked me the other day, how do you know if God is speaking to you? I'll give you three ways. Number one, it's big. It's beyond your understanding. It's beyond your reasoning. Number two, it aligns with his word. He will never, do, he will never ask you to do something that violates his own nature. And number three, it's for his glory. It's never just about you. It's for him. So how to catch a mirror, number one, is do what he asks you to do. And number two is use what you have. Can I teach you a little bit? So when, when we find Peter by the seashore, he is washing his nets. That's what the scripture says. As Jesus comes along, he finds Peter washing his nets. Now, this was a practice that was done during this time in scripture where the fishermen would go out and they would fish. And when they would come in, if they caught fish, they would put their fish aside and then they would take their nets and they would begin to wash their nets. Their nets would have seaweed, debris, branches caught in them. They would take all those things out and they would mend their nets as well. They would start to stitch them together to make sure they're weren't any holes to make sure that, 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 that their nets were taken care of, that they wouldn't dry rot and things like that. Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus did not give Peter new nets because the nets were not the problem. Many of us, we want miracles and we blame the tools. I want more preaching opportunity. I want a bigger platform. And God says, I will not give you a bigger platform until you take care of the platform that you have. Some of us want bigger business, but God says, the customers that you have right now are complaining. Ooh, Lord. <laughs> Some people want a better relationship, and God says, you haven't gone on a date in 75 years. 
God wants to use what is in your hand to work the miracle. The nets were not the problem. The problem was they weren't deep enough when God told them to go deep. If you want to see a miracle unleash in your life, God is going to use what is in your hand. Can I give you a little more word? So Moses, he's out there tending sheep, right, doing his own thing. And God comes to him. He says, hey, Moses, I need you to go uh, to, to uh, Egypt, and I need you to lead my people out. And, and Moses says, hey, listen, God, I can't, I can't do it, man. You know, you know, I've been out here with these sheep for 40 years. Like, all I've been listening to is bad. Like, like, I got a speech impediment. I, I, don't, I don't have what it takes. And God says, don't worry. I'll fill your mouth with the right words. And, and, then, and then Moses is like, but what am I going to do? What am I going to say? And, and God says, don't worry about it. When you go in there, I'm going to use what is regular and make it irregular. I'm going to use what is natural and make it supernatural. I'm going to use what you have in your hand. And when I get a hold of it, miracles, signs, and wonders are going to take place. So when Moses goes into the household of Pharaoh, what does God tell him? God says to Moses, Moses, take the staff that is in your hand that you've been using to guide sheep and throw it down and see what happens. He throws it down and turns into a snake. Then God says, I'm not even done. Now you get to the Red Sea. And, and, and Moses is like, okay, now God, what do I do about this? We have this Red Sea. We have nowhere to go. Our enemies are coming. We're about to die. And God says, take the staff that is in your hand. Lift it up and see what happens. And when he lifts up the staff, God divides the Red Sea. And they walk through on dry ground. God, it wasn't even done with that. God says, I'm going to take your staff. Now hit this rock and watch water come out of it. You don't have to worry about getting something new. Use what you have in your hands. Jesus, when he went to heal blinded eyes, he didn't give them new eyes. He just made the eyes that they have be able to see. He didn't give them brand new legs. He just made the legs that didn't work start working. He didn't give Lazarus a new body. He just said, Lazarus, I need you to come forth. Use what is in your hand. What has God asked you to do with the tools you have in your hands? This is the process of stewardship. Because if you can steward well what you have, God can give you more. If you take what God has given, if God's given you a voice, it's not the platform. I remember when I was 13 and I preached my first message, it was downtown Fort Worth on a street corner. You know, like, for real? For real. We would open up our Bible on the street corner with about two or three people. I'm 13, and I'm like, I'm about to give these people a word. <laughs> and um, in First Samuel, <laughs> and I preached my heart out, but then I continued to preach just like that. Y'all hear me screaming up here? I used to scream like this and preach in nursing homes and care centers. I used to preach to a captive audience. I'm telling you, me and my brother who's right here, we would say, you know what, it's time for church. We'd go there on Saturday, we'd go in the rooms and say, hey, would you like to go to the cafeteria? We're about to have service. If they didn't give us an answer, all right, we'll take that as a yes. Lock the wheels up and you're about to get a word. <laughs> 
right. I remember this one time I prayed for a lady, and I didn't really know what she needed to pray for. She was, you know, she was sitting in a wheelchair, and I prayed for her, and I just started hearing water. And I thought, what in the world? And looked down. She had urinated all over my feet. And you know what I did? I just kept praying. Why? Because I was like, this lady needs a breakthrough. And I... I'm telling you, what I learned a long time ago is if God's going to do something special, he's going to use me where I'm at. If you want to see a miracle, start using what God has given you in your, you can pray the prayer of faith and see the sick recovered. You don't have to call nobody. Use what is in your hand. What has God given you? Use it. Because miracles are not this ethereal thing that just somehow comes out of nowhere. We have dramatized miracles so much that we think that miracles can't happen in an atmosphere like this where it's quiet. But can I tell you that right now, cancers can dissipate. I believe that when Jesus was going about working miracles, I don't think it was as dramatic as we try to make it seem. I think Jesus was literally walking around. And when someone would come up to him, he'd go, sure, open up your eyes and see. I don't think it was this. (gasps) (laughs) This is why we've gone away from miracles. But I'm telling you, miracles still happen. Which leads me to my third point of how to catch a miracle. The third way is to partner with others. Miracles are not for you. We say, God, I need a miracle. Great. God says, I'm not giving you a miracle for you, though. I'm giving you a miracle for me. When God gives you a miracle, it's for him to show to you who who he is and then for you to share with others who he is to you. Because what you cannot do is when God works a miracle in your life, you cannot say, that was me. And you also can't deny that God did it in your life. I don't care what anybody tells me. I cannot deny what God has done in my life. We just sang about it. He's too good for me not to believe. Why? Because I have seen cancers disappear. I have seen God put marriages back together. I have seen God heal the brokenhearted. I have seen God deliver those who were addicted for years. I have seen God work miracles time after time after time after time. And when God gave a miracle to Peter, he said, Peter, this is not for you to take all of these fish home, but you better call partners because what I'm about to pour out in your life cannot be contained in your nets alone, but you got to share the miracle that I'm doing in your life with somebody else. I believe that this is the year of supernatural accelerated miracles. Can I preach to somebody and tell you, you better get in partnership with the right people because what God's about to do in your life, you can't handle by yourself. You got to start giving it away. 
You better start getting new people into your job. You better start getting new partnership. You better start getting prayer partners because you need to start extending the pegs of the blessings that are about to happen in your life. You better start getting new employees for God blessing your business. You better start. Can I preach the embassy? Can I preach the embassy right now? Can I, can I appreciate that we are already, uh, myself and the elders, we're already praying about looking for new buildings. Why? Because we're starting to run out of room here. I just need about two or three people that know that God's about to give us accelerated miracles, signs, wonders. I'm talking about marriages coming back together. I'm talking about families being restored. I'm talking about children coming back home. I'm praying about new opportunities for jobs. I'm talking about physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing. Somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been praying, I've been God, I've been asking God, God, what are you wanting to do in this season? And I believe God said, I'm about to show out and show off with miracles, signs, and wonders. And I'm like, God, here's the, here's the problem though. What if it doesn't happen? Has anybody ever been there? Have you ever prayed for somebody, told somebody, I'm praying for a miracle? And in the back of your mind, you're like, God, I need you to come through. <laughs> Because if you don't, this is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> how many have never, how many have ever been in a situation where you didn't want to vocalize your need? You know your marriage is messed up, but you don't want to tell nobody in case it doesn't work out. You know you're sick in your body, but you don't want to tell nobody just in case you didn't get your healing. Anybody been there? But you got to get to the place. Where if you need a miracle, nothing stands in your way. The woman with the issue of blood had been with that problem for so long that she said, you know what? Forget how people feel about me having to get through to Jesus. I need to get to Jesus because if he's able to do it, even if he doesn't, I still believe that he's able. When you start getting desperate, you'll press through the crowd. You'll, you'll take off ceiling tiles to get your friend down in the presence of Jesus. You'll start crying out the more. When they, talk, when they told Bob Bartimaeus, man, shut your mouth, bro. Don't you know that Jesus is busy? He cried out the more, the greater. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. When you need a miracle, you will get desperate about getting the attention of Jesus. So I believe God's going to give us some miracles. I want to, I want to read this passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And this is what he says. He says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message was not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know what that word power means? Miraculous power. Paul said, and Paul was a very intelligent person, by the way. 
When we talk about Paul, we're talking about somebody who sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was, he was incredibly intelligent, very cerebral. He could have come with lofty words. He could have come with all the speeches that could wow you. But he said, speeches will not change your life. The only thing that would change your life is the miraculous power of God. Whew. So when I begin to pray about the service, I said, God, what do you want to do? And the Lord reminded me of when I was evangelizing back in 2009. I was going through what I would consider to be uh, deconstruction. I know some people feel uncomfortable with saying that. I don't mind. I was going through a season where I was preaching on Sunday. And then I would go home to evangelist quarter and I would ask this question. Is what I'm preaching real? Can I just be honest with you? And I would think like, God, is this real? Or am I just experiencing a high? And for weeks, I begin to search the scriptures. And I pray. And I ask God, God, what am I doing? Is this real? And, and I didn't feel like God was answering me. Has anybody ever been there? Were you, were you praying and you asking God? And it's, and it's like life or death. You know what I'm saying? You're like, Lord, I need you to come through for me. And I didn't hear anything from the Lord. But I preached. Because here's, let me just throw this in here. If you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. If God hadn't given you a new word, go back to the, the word that he just gave you. And keep doing that. So I said, God, I need you to come through. And I remember like it was yesterday. I was sitting there praying. One night, and I had prayed all day. For hours, I had prayed, and I had interceded, and I was calling out to God. And the only thing I remember is that the Lord impressed on me one thing, one question. And he asked me this. Was what you experienced real? That's the only thing I heard. And I began to think back at all the times that I saw God come through. I remember the time when I was sitting in evangelist quarters on a Saturday night and I said, God, I want to see a miracle. And God said, you have not because you asked not. And I said, God, tomorrow I want to see a miracle. And I remember walking into that sanctuary and there was a guy, he was up here leading worship and I looked down the aisle and I saw a guy fall down and have a seizure. And the Lord said, you have not because you asked not. You're about to go see a miracle. And I went down the aisle. I grabbed a little dab of oil. Anybody remember oil? You know what I'm saying? You, I got that, that extra virgin olive oil. I dabbed me a finger. They, they, they were gathered around him trying to resuscitate him, but he was still shaking. Everybody was calling 911. I said, wait a minute. We're about to see a miracle. I laid hands upon him, and immediately he was completely chill. He stood up like nothing ever happened. The paramedics came in. They said, where's the guy? He said, I'm the one. They said, ain't nothing wrong with you. They went and checked him. They could find absolutely nothing wrong. You can't tell me that God don't work miracles. Can I keep preaching? I remember one time I was driving from California to Texas and I was in the middle of a desert and I totally forgot to get gas. And my light went on, but I still had 
200 miles to go with no gas. I called my mom. I said, Mom, I need you to pray right now that I don't break down in the middle of this desert because it's the middle of the night and I need to get over. She prayed the prayer of faith. I drove 120 miles on E with the light on. You can't tell me that God don't work miracles. Oh, y'all want some more? I remember this one time. I was at a camp meeting, and there was a girl who had a boot on. She had broken her leg, and she was hobbling around on crutches. And a preacher got up and said, if you want a physical healing, you can get it right now. She hobbled up there, and he prayed for her. And right then, she threw the crutches down, took the boot off, and shouted all around the building, you can't tell me that God don't work miracles. I need about two or three people in this place that will testify that God works Miracles! I feel like God is stirring somebody right now that's in this place. You said, you know what? I need a miracle. I need, I need God to show up. You've done all that you know to do. You've, you've exhausted all your human efforts and you need God to show up. This is the moment. This is the moment. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. All you have to do is ask him to show up to meet the need that you have. I want the worship team to come back out here. And we're going to have a miracle service. <laughs> and it's not going to be I'm not going to be up here shaking you till you fall on the ground. Some of y'all got nervous. <laughs> we ain't got a bunch of Mazda claws out. We got catchers. <laughs> but somebody's going to catch a miracle. Does anybody need a miracle in this place? If you do, I want you to stand to your feet right now. There's several things that the Lord laid on my heart that people need miracles for. One is actual physical health. There's something that you need God to intervene on. You need a physical miracle, whether it be a sickness that you have right now that seems to be temporal. Uh, you've done everything, or it could be a terminal, or maybe you stand in place of somebody. If, if you need a physical miracle, put your hand up right now if you don't mind. Great. Keep that hand that you're holding up right now. Now, if you're gathered around somebody, I want you just to reach over right now and pray for them right now. Father, we come to you right now, Jesus. You see these hands that are lifted for physical miracles? I pray that right now, God, you would unleash your spirit. That you would, right now, God, let there be warmth in their body, God. If they're standing in place for somebody, wherever they are, I pray, God, that you would right now work a miracle physically right now. You are the creator of the body. You know the body. And I pray right now that you would heal the body. I pray, God, that diabetes, God, would just dissipate right now. I pray that cancer would be destroyed. I pray, God, for uh, backs that are hurting, that they would be uh, that they would be healed right now. For any kind of feet, God, or leg situation, whatever kind of bone structures, God, I believe you right now for miracles, and right now we give you praise for physical healing in this place. Thank you, God, right now for doing it. In Jesus' name! Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, here's another one. I feel like the Lord wants to heal somebody 
in their mind. I'm talking about anxiety, depression. I'm talking about worry, uh, the inability to sleep. If you're in this place right now and you're, and you're dealing with just, you just need God to touch your mind. I want you to lift your hand right now in the presence of other believers right now. Father, right now we're praying for minds and emotions right now. We're praying, Lord Jesus, that you would heal right now, God, that there would be rest, God, that there would be peace of mind, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that whatever disturbance that the enemy is trying to bring, that it would dissipate right now, that there would be a miracle working right now, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would work as only you can work, that you would do what only you can do. We give your name the praise, the glory, the honor, because you're worthy of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody give God praise for me of the mind. I'm praying right now that Lord, whatever the need is in this place, whatever the need of miracle is, that you would work right now, God. Help us to have supernatural faith to believe that you are able to do what you said you will do, God. I'm praying right now, God, that promises would be fulfilled, God. I'm praying right now, Jesus, that the prayer of faith that has gone before would reach the destination, God, and that we would arrive at your word. I pray right now, God, that prodigals would come home. I'm praying right now that marriages would be restored. I'm praying that families would come back together. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that healing virtue would flow in our house, God. I'm praying for our church corporately, Lord Jesus, that as you bring people into this house, God, and you fill up our house, God, that you would find us, God, a place, God, where we can uh, steward well the people that you've given us, God. I'm praying right now, God, for larger classrooms. I'm praying for a larger building, God. I'm praying for more parking lots. Jesus, I'm praying right now that whatever you're doing in the spirit, God, that we would respond with faith for miracles, signs, and wonders. Let it be done right now in your name. In your name. This is what I believe is going to happen this week. I believe there's some people that are going to walk away from here and God is going to answer the prayer that you prayed before this week is over. And you're like, wait a minute. I didn't fall on the floor and roll around. God don't need all that. God can touch you wherever you are. Deep miracles happen in the deep. So this is what I'm, this is what I'm praying is going to happen. As we walk away from here, that we walk away with a renewed faith to believe God for miracle signs and wonders. That we take the mysticism out of it. If somebody is sick in your presence, lay hands and pray for them right away. If somebody is dealing with emotional turmoil, pray for them right away away because we know a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that works within us is there anybody that believes in a miracle working God would you give him praise in this place right now come on somebody give him praise in this place come on somebody give him praise in this place God we believe for miracles signs and wonders 
Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Urban. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.